and welcome to Ag PhD Radio, broadcasting from the Martin studio today. I'm Darren Hefty. It's Farmer Friday. That means we're taking your calls and agronomic questions all throughout the day. Our phone lines will be open at 844-44-AG-PHD. And you can always email us as well, radio at agphd.com. And we've got some emails with soil samples and other things that we'll get to here in just a little bit. But I just want to talk just a little bit about what's happening on our farm. We're always, always excited to do that. And especially during harvest, there's so much happening that it's kind of fun to to get into where we're at and how things are going. And honestly, things are going really fast. It's amazing to me how fast things can go when you have good weather and and you get some different opportunities like silage and harvesting high moisture corn. Uh, those those are pretty cool things. Uh, Brian, do you ever remember harvest going quite this fast on the farm? Sure, I do. Um, in 2012, when we had the drought, the bad drought, I mean, we were all done with everything. About this, it'll be about the same time. I think it was by the first week of October, but we finished all our corn before the beans. But we weren't near as dry this year. We certainly were not as hot. And yields are, are much better than what we had in 2012, at least on the corn side. Beans, pretty similar. But the, the big thing I guess I would say I'm disappointed in, and you talk about how fast things are going in good weather, we haven't had good weather for beans, and here's what I mean. So every year I'm pushing our people, like, go, get in the stinking field, because we can harvest beans that are 14, 15, 16, even 17% moisture. Just take them out, and then we can put them in the bin and we can dry them down with our automatic bin fan controllers. So, of course, what happens? We get 80-degree weather and winds right when we want to start harvesting, and the beans go from 14, 15, 16% down to 9 in about two days. That's like, oh, no, no. So just yesterday I was seeing moisture coming in. I'm like, go, guys, and don't be leaving anything in the field either. I mean, don't think that, oh, there's this little spot that it's wet. No, it's really not wet. Sure, it looks wet compared to nine, but it's not bad. Just get everything out as quick as you can. So what I'm always hoping for when it comes to soybean harvest is we can harvest for about three days. Then we get this light little misting rain for about three hours. And then it dries up, and the next day we can go, and the beans are back to having good moisture again. So the definition of good weather all depends on who is uh, on the other side, who's doing the harvesting. That's my definition of good weather. In terms of, yeah, we've had nothing but dry here for two weeks, and we can keep rolling, well, sure. If it was just corn, I wouldn't mind. But, boy, when we have beans, it's just tough. And so like with these automatic bin fan controllers, the good news is at least we can pump humid air back into the beans so we can basically get them back up to the 13% where we need them. But that's probably the biggest challenge when you have hot and dry and windy like we do. Because like today, it's supposed to hit 80 degrees. We got 30 mile an hour gusts, sunny. So I mean, everything is dropping fast. Yeah, it goes really fast. And, you know, you look at what we've got coming next week where we've got a really good likelihood of frost and some colder weather. Things are going to turn in a hurry. And, you know, we when we have any fall, it seems like even this fall, uh, it's going fast for us on the farm. But there's so many jobs to do. Even even when you say, OK, man, we're, we're a few weeks ahead. That's great. But we've got tiling to do. We've got uh, some dirt work to do. We've got lots of soil sampling going on. We get all the fertility things and all the adjustments that we got to make for next year. All that stuff can and set us up. Spring. 
Yep. And some spring and, uh, we got, I don't know. There's just, there's just on and on and on. And, uh, yeah, if we had three months, I think we could get maybe, maybe we'd get everything that we hope to get done, done, but, uh, even so, oh, no, we don't need three months. We do not need three months. We can get stuff done really fast. And that's the, the good thing today with the modern equipment that we've got. I mean, yeah, we farm quite a few acres with not many people or anything, but you don't need many people when you have great big equipment that can roll. And the other nice thing is auto steer. That really helps on the fatigue side. So you're not totally shot at the end of the day. You can keep going just a little bit longer. I, I mean, safety is huge. And you look at all these safety things that have come out here in the last 20 years, it's awesome. So I'm excited about that. And I, I mean, let's face it. We, well, you talk about dirt work and tiling and everything else. Most of our ground's in good shape. We've tiled most everything. It's just basically some new stuff and, and some work we're doing with a couple of neighbors and things like that. So it's really not that bad. A lot of those things are only going to take a few days and we'll get her done. You know, you think about the the fall jobs too. There's so many things that if you can get them done on a year like this, we're we're really dry. You don't get these opportunities right. where you can get into some of these areas of the field and get things fixed and uh, and, yep. and really be out almost anywhere in the fields without creating a bunch of compaction and and this kind of thing. So it's a pretty good deal when you you get an opportunity. You got to be ready to take advantage of that. Uh, and in terms yeah. of the soil sampling too, Brian, this is another thing where. Uh, just I, I've been looking at a lot of the questions that have been coming in for for guys saying, you know, what about this and what about that? And do we really need complete analysis? And it's just been neat to see how with the drought where we've got micronutrients in balance, we've got all the fertility things in balance. We still held on longer and we've got better yields, substantially better yields in the dry years where if we're short of anything, especially some of these micros have really showed up in the, the poor yielding areas. It's often, you know, one or two or more micros that are short and NP and K might have been fine, but we ran out of those micros and, and just ran out of gas. Okay, a couple of quick things. First of all, if you are in a drought area, just understand your soil pH is going to look lower than normal. So even on our farm, where I see a 5.5 pH, or let's call it a 5.7 pH, I'm going to figure that's going to be a 6 or maybe even a 6.2 in a normal moisture year. So I'm probably not going to do any liming if it's just a little low. Yeah, if it's a lot low, I'll do it. And if we've had a trend that it's been going down, sure, I, I, that I get. But I'm just saying, watch out for that. The other thing that I'll tell you is potassium. So one of... Uh, I was just talking to Rob Fritz lately. He's on the show with us every once in a while here, agronomist in our area. And he was just talking about this high rate of potassium a farmer had done a couple of years back. And you could really see the difference in the field now. Much greener potassium. You got to have it at high levels in a drought. Yeah, and it's not often a one-year payback. It's a long-term payback where you see year two and year three being significantly better. Hey, it's Farmer Friday on today's program. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. It takes balance to be successful in farming because what you get out of it depends on what you put in. And Corteva AgriScience gets that. Introducing Nutricia and Nutrient Efficiency Optimizer, a biological product that naturally captures nitrogen from the air. It's a sustainable way to add balance to your traditional nitrogen methods and maximize your yield potential. Embrace a balanced approach to nitrogen management this season by visiting Corteva.us. When it comes to mites in your field, you can't afford a solution that might work. That's why there's Zeal Pro Miticide from Valent USA. 
With next level knockdown and long residual control, you can be sure to handle spider mites at all stages of life with complete certainty. With efficient translaminar activity, apply by ground or air, and confidently attack mites where they are. Make ZealPro the definitive answer to your mite problem. Visit valent.com slash zealpro to learn more. Always read and follow label instructions. Ag PhD has one mission, to give you the knowledge you need to make your farm more successful. That's why every issue of the Ag PhD Insider Magazine features crop fertility and pest management tips, insights into the world's highest yielding farmers, updates and results from our in-field research trials, as well as the latest agronomy information from Brian and Darren Hefty. We put it all in one place so you can make your farm more productive and profitable. Subscribe to the Ag PhD Insider at agphdinsider.com. It's planting season. Race against the clock season. Mistakes can't happen season. And no one helps you face it all like John Deere. Putting technology in your hands that gets you in and out of the field faster. That makes your spacing and depth more accurate. And that gives you the confidence that this season will be your best season. See what you have to gain at johndeere.com slash gainground. Farmer Friday and Ag PhD Radio. That means we're taking your calls and agronomic questions throughout the show. If you're listening today and you think, huh, I'd love to ask these guys about this, or I'd love to talk about something going on on my operation or, or ask a question about anything really uh, agronomically speaking, today's your day. It's 844-44-AG-PHD. And uh, we also take emails, radio at agphd.com. Let's catch up with John up in British Columbia. John, how's it going? I'm doing well. All right, so it's well. it's kind of dairy season right now around here in terms of high moisture corn and silage and all those kinds of things. How about where you're at? Yeah, we were in the same. We just finished crop, cropping corn silage uh, past Saturday and working on manure and seeding cover crops slash well, winter forage would be seeding right now. All right. So people think British Columbia is a long ways north and don't really, uh, for, for the guys down here in the States, probably don't understand exactly what you're dealing with. I know you've got uh, some different valleys up there that, that you farm through, and, and I know that the climate definitely changes as you move from one area to the next. Can you explain a little bit with your winter forage what you've got for climate and what you expect to get out of it yet Uh through the rest of this fall and into the winter? Uh, so we'll see, currently seeding winter forage today, uh, blend usually ryegrass, uh, wheat, maybe some triticale blend. Um, and that will come up this fall, hopefully come up and establish you know, five, six inches tall, and then go more or less dormant through the winter as we get into cooler and wetter, shorter days. And then if we get nice weather late February, early March, we'll start applying manure on that crop and be planning to harvest it late April, it, just before we turn the ground back over for corn uh, silage production again. Interesting. Yeah, that's a, that's a tight little window there, but it, if you if you can get up and get established this fall, I, I assume that makes the biggest difference? Are there some real keys to getting good survival through the winter? Yeah, just weather. Right now we're very dry, which... Uh, Normally this time of year we start getting our rain, fall rains, but we're working in just in extreme dust right now, hoping to catch a rain and get that crop out of the ground and, and establish before we get 
get cool shorter days. You know, when you you look at a, a dry year where you're at, and I I just think British Columbia. I, I wonder what a dry year means to you there, since I think you guys on average get quite a bit more moisture than we do. What what is dry for for you, John? We we do get quite a bit more moisture on average. Unfortunately, um, August, July, and August are generally our dry months. We see you know very little to no rain in those months. Uh, average for the year, we're going to be in the sixty inch mark, but majority of that coming. Uh, you know, usually through late September, October, November. We can go, we'll go now possibly from, you know, maybe 60 days with almost no precipitation. Uh, once that we switch over to rain here in the next couple of weeks, we could go 60 days in a rain or 60 days in a row without rain, um, you know, through, through October, November, and into December. So, um, it, yeah, we are adding irrigation to our operation on the coast because of, you know, just. Or the weather's trending that way more and more. So, sure, sure. Uh, so, oh, go ahead, Jen. Oh, yeah. With so we have the water available to us. It's not you know we're not farming in the desert. It's in the ground. We can put a well in. We can pull water out and have plenty of water here at the right times of the year. So that part is fortunate. You bet. You bet. You know we get kind of dry here, and uh, I know the guy cutting silage for us said it was two foot shorter in the area than it was last year. What did you notice this year on a, on a drier year in terms of, of tonnage or just the silage crop in general? So we went from last year, kind of an ex- more of an extreme drought. We were drier longer. We got drier earlier last year. This year we actually had a uh, wetter later spring. We probably started a month, three weeks later, and then it didn't dry out until July. So we had, the crop was better than last year's crop. Uh, in tonnage, 2022, or sorry, 2020, three years back, was kind of a, it was the weather as you could order it. We had rain showers every week, and it was a bumper crop. So it's not, we were in, we're above last year's tonnage, and, you know, not where we were on, you know, say it, 2020 would have been a best in 10, one in 10 year, you know, a very, very good crop. Sure, sure. Well, John, uh, thank you so much. Really appreciate the chance to talk to you today. Good luck here as you get seeding that winter forage and look forward to talking to you again down the road. Thank you very much. You bet. Let's head over to Illinois. Got Randy on with us right now. Randy, how's it going? Good. How are you today? Good. So what's happening in your part of Illinois right now? You guys getting harvest going? Uh, Just a little bit. Uh, There's just a few few of us that have kind of started to um, taking some beans out. Um, they're dry, but green, stems are green and green pods, and so it's kind of slow going. Um, so we did that for earlier in the week. Yields were best beans we've ever seen, but they were also after 20 years of corn, so I'm keeping that in mind as well. Um, <laughs> but talking to the neighbors, it, bean yields are they're 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 good you know and so, some guys are saying record you know you know best beans they've raised so far so it's that that part looks good um we took a field of corn out yesterday um it was 110 day corn it was still 27 to 28 percent um so we actually we actually shut the combine down for a couple of days here to let let some beans catch up and we'll probably 
be able to get rolling next week then again. So sure, sure. Well, first of all, we gotta we gotta stop all that talk about great yields. There's there's some folks up in <laughs> Chicago that might be listening, Randy. We we yeah, want them right, to think, right. you know, man, we got it really tough here on the farm. We need a little <laughs> yeah, better right. prices, but uh, but as far as that corn goes, uh, 110 day corn drying down like that uh, it won't be too long. That'll be ready to roll too. Yeah, yeah, we're uh, um, yeah, we give it, you know few more days or whatever that you know, especially as the weather warms up here some that'll help move it along too so when what do you but like yeah. to harvest for corn moisture i mean are you shooting for 20 are you shooting for 18 what what do you guys like um if i could start at 25 and be done by 20 i would be very happy um i there's no doubt in my mind that phantom yield loss is real um i've i've seen it enough times and um, normally your money ahead to, uh, you know, to pick it wetter. And it's it's cheaper to dry it than what you lose by letting it air dry. Um, with the increase in drying costs this year, it's coming a lot more of a wash. But, um, but you know, when you pick a little wetter, there's less head loss and, and all of that as well. Yeah, we, we've been debating this same topic on our farm this week, phantom yield loss. We've been actually harvesting some high-moisture corn for a neighboring dairy here, and uh, Brian's been talking about that a lot. Let's leave a strip here. Let's see what it is when it gets down to 18 or 20 and what kind of yields we have. And, you know, what what is phantom yield loss? That's the real question. Is, is it, uh, hey, there's an ear here or there that dropped or you lost a little bit of stuff uh, at the head or or what, what exactly makes that phantom yield loss up? I think it's a number of different things, and that's why it's a phantom because it's not just one thing. Right. Uh, I've also heard that, you know, there's actually almost like a germ that lives inside the kernels. And as it, you know, until it gets down to 15 or whatever, well, it's it's consuming some of the starch that's inside there, too. And so, you know, you're actually losing some weight and whatnot. So I don't know. I mean, that's a very non-technical definition. So it, um, but uh, but yeah, I mean, I've seen it time and time again. And sometimes it's like, well, the yield monitor is not not as accurate when you drop seven points. Well, that that's not that's not really the truth anymore. So it's, um, but uh, but yeah, I mean the problem is you go above twenty five, and a lot of combines just tear. They really start tearing corn the corn up, and you know, see, so it's got a lot more fines. So it's just harder to do yeah there's kind of a there's kind of a fine line there and finding that uh, for you might be a little different for the next guy or the next piece of equipment or how he's setting it up but uh, that's why i always like to ask those questions what what are you shooting for and i know with green bean stems that's no fun either so i I don't want to wish a frost on anybody randy but i kind of i kind of wish something (laughs) happened to cure those green stems off well thank you so much for calling in i really appreciate the conversation good luck to you here as you roll on harvest next week thanks you bet. Thanks. Yeah, I don't like those green stems either. I, I totally get where he's at too. That's a good time to to just let it sit for a little bit. Uh, we're talking about harvest and anything else going on in your farm on Farmer Friday. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. Compromise is nice. 
if you're at the playground or scouring yard sales. But farmers know better that middle grounds have no winner. That's why there's Revitec fungicide, fast-acting and long-lasting, preventative and curative, disease control and stress reduction. So leave the settling to little Tommy at the seesaw, an old bargain bill, and take your full prize in yields with Revitec fungicide for uncompromised performance. Always read and follow label directions. Your schedule can change by the minute, making it hard to stay on top of the latest agronomy information. But at Ag PhD, we have some good news for you. If you miss an episode of Ag PhD TV or radio, you can catch up at agphd.com. With years of valuable content and the latest episodes available to stream for free, you can continue building your agronomic knowledge on any schedule. While you're there, don't forget to check for upcoming Ag PhD events and workshops. Watch, listen, and learn at agphd.com. What if your herbicide was easy to mix and tough for weeds to resist? Anthem Flex Herbicide from FMC offers the most effective mode of action for spring and winter wheat, delivering long-lasting control of grasses and broadleaf weeds, including Italian ryegrass, rat-tail fescue, and downy brome, plus weeds typically resistant to glyphosate and Group 1 and Group 2 herbicides. Visit your FMC retailer or ag.fmc.com to learn more. Always read and follow all label directions. It's smart to make the right agronomic choices, and it's even smarter to get rewarded for them. With the Bayer Plus Rewards Program, you earn cash back on seed, herbicides, and other eligible products. And it keeps getting smarter, because now you can earn an additional 10% bonus when you send your redemption check to your retailer. To learn more, contact your retailer today. Protect your yields and get the most from your land with Bayer Plus Rewards. Visit MyBayerPlus.com and see program terms and conditions for full details. Every week for more than two decades, AgPhD TV has provided agronomic information to make your farm more productive and profitable. In each episode, we discuss a wide range of topics covering everything from crop fertility, promoting soil health, improving the environment, pest control, and more, all designed to help you push your farm to higher yield goals and more profitability. Be sure to catch us on Tuesdays and Saturdays on RFD TV. Check your local listings or visit agphd.com to learn more. AgroLiquid is precision crop nutrition. That means being committed to product performance, to research and field testing, and to superior agronomics. Most of all, AgroLiquid is committed to delivering precisely the right nutrition in the right way, including seed-safe planter plus side dress applications and foliar applications with low burn risk. AgroLiquid. Apply less. Expect more. Find a retailer at agroliquid.com. Welcome back. You're listening to Ag PhD Radio. It's Farmer Friday on today's program, which means we're taking your calls and agronomic questions all throughout the show at 844-44-AG-PHD. Let's head over to Minnesota, get Ken on with us right now. Ken, how are things going over there? Hi, Darren. Yeah, things are going good. Uh, it's dry enough to get about anything done you want to. So, uh, good. Uh, just finished up the beans last night, so today's kind of a day of odds and ends getting done, and uh, then i got to go back to work driving truck tomorrow So for a few days. <laughs> yeah, there's there's no lack of work this time of year, that's for sure. So, okay, you got the beans out. Did you have any trouble? Were, were things looking pretty good out there, or did you notice anything that you say, man, that, I wish that wouldn't happen this year? 
Well, yeah, it, it kind of started out the, the week after I planted the beans. We had about the five, six inch rain west of me, and it flooded my low ground out. And the beans were just starting to pop through uh, when about three feet of water come over a couple of my fields. So it, those, yeah, I had a problem with water hemp because I'm sure all the seeds and everything else from west of me come in my field and settled in there. So it kind of was a struggle, but I was. I was happy with the enlist, how the job it did uh, on that. Uh, but I had, problem is you had some bare spots out there, some ground out spots, and those were the ones that were commonly the, the biggest problem to keep weeds down on. So, but other than that, uh, still those, that field, uh, uh, the beans come through it really well. I think they were in anyway, so about that, uh, not having to replant. So it really felt, felt good there, but they're, the higher ground, I've got some clayer hills that are a little tougher. They dried out this summer, and they didn't do quite as quite as well yielding on those hills. But uh, it, for the most part, I think everything was as good as expected, or a little better. Awesome, awesome. Okay, so is this this is a little bit ahead of schedule, isn't it, for your area? Yeah, it uh, it is kind of right in there. I think matured quite quite fast I, they were looking green and i never thought we'd get in near the field before october but boy when things started turning uh they really really went went fast i i kind of waited on some spots that were a little greener i thought uh that'll be at least a week but boy by the time i got uh, got to them uh boy it chugged right through them so it it uh we had a killing frost the other day too here too it was a tuesday night i think that kind of finished a lot of the corn off and dropped the rest of the leaves on some of the green beans in the area. So things are going fast now. Yeah. Yeah. Where do you like to take corn at for moisture? Well, I know ideally it's better to start in the, in the low twenties if a guy can uh, get going at it there, but mother nature is doing a pretty good job right now of taking care of the moisture. So, you know, I've got some other odds and ends to do. I just kind of do those things and uh, get, few things done here first and then go at it uh, as I got time so sure sure yeah I know in our farm we're already starting to stack up the list of things because we're we're ahead of schedule right now which is unusual but it, it's kind of cool and so I know we got uh, got a lot of different projects out there and the odds and ends it's kind of nice to have good weather to do those in it really is it really is you hit that too late to do any pasture spraying. I was going to put some graze on P and D on some pastures uh, after we had a killing frost on Tuesday. Is it too late to do that? Well, it it depends. I think with Roundup, that the performance of Roundup goes way down. With a lot of the other products out there, though, if you can still get them into the weeds, as long as the weeds didn't take it too hard. Like say you're spraying thistles, for example, the thistles still look look pretty good and green and they aren't too nipped up from the frost, I think we can still do a pretty decent job. Okay. That's one thing I had in mind yet too to do a pasture spray yet in some areas. It's harder to get to in the spring and I thought, well, if I've got time here in the fall, that would be a project too. So then soil sampling, I'd like to get out there and do some of that too one of these days here. Uh, so like you say, there's always enough on the list. <laughs> yes, yes, no doubt about that. Well, Ken, good luck to you here. I know, uh, I know you got a lot of things to do, so uh, make sure you're getting lots of rest and 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 staying healthy and safe. We'll try that too. Thanks, Darren. You bet. Let's head over to Maryland. We got Kevin with us right now. All right, Kevin. A lot of stuff happening on the East Coast over there. How are things going around your farm? 
Oh, it's uh, getting ready for not sure what kind of storm we're going to have. Had predictions anything from um, four to six inches of rain, 30 to 40 mile an hour wind, maybe two to four foot high tides. But in the middle of corn harvest and uh, running into some wet corn where we were uh, wet in the month of May, we had to stop planting for two or three weeks and we're running into some 27, 28% corn. So uh, just sitting back to see what Mother Nature brings us today, trying to get the grain dryers empty and everything uh, cleaned up for the weekend. You bet. You bet. What do, what do the stocks look like there? We we saw with the drought that we had out here in the West, there's a lot of guys talking about they've got some soft stocks with stock rot and crown rot and these kinds of things. Uh, how'd stuff hold up in your area? The stock's still pretty good? Uh, Darren, it's very spotty here. It's, uh, it's according to who won the thunderstorm lottery kind of deal. You go two miles in either direction and you can go from 200 bushel acre corn plus to 50 bushel an acre corn the corn that was stressed uh stock quality is very poor uh the people that in the farms that were lucky enough to get a thunderstorm got a fungicide application on because they thought it was money well spent and those stocks are are doing well But uh, it's very spotty and very, very variable throughout the field and the farm and the area. You know, these these storms that come like this, you you really don't know what you're going to get. You don't know which track they're going to be on, and that that makes it pretty nerve-wracking, no doubt. Uh, That's why I was kind of curious about that, because I know a lot of folks will say, man, when these hurricanes come through, you're a whole lot happier if the corn is in the bin, but when it's just a little bit too wet, oh, that's frustrating. Yeah. um, A lot of the drought corn that – died from dry weather and didn't have a chance to mature most of those weak stalks have been harvested good most of what's left in the field now are are what the corn is maturing naturally and and that's why it's still wet a lot of a lot of the drought corn that died uh prematurely has been harvested and taken out Good, good, sure, sure. Uh, you know, the other question I got for you, I, I know cover crop is a big deal uh, on the East Coast, especially in the Del Marve. Uh, what do you do for cover crop? Have you found something that really works for you? Well, I'm in the, I'm in the uh, seed business. Uh, we process a lot of wheat and small grain for, for farmers and seed companies, and um, – A lot of rye goes in, but people have been having a lot of problems importing weeds in with the rye because a lot of the rye we get in this area comes from overseas. Okay. Um, There's been some mixtures put out, and we've played with a lot of mixtures. Our state has a cost share program for the Chesapeake Bay area where they'll pay us to plant some cover crops in the sensitive areas to stop some of the runoff. And and we're kind of in a tug of war with the state where 
anything that fixes nitrogen, such as a vetch or something like that, they don't want to cost share. So it can be we're trying a lot of things and trying to, to get the state to work with us to put a, the blends look more 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 beneficial to our soil health than just planting a monocrop like a wheat or a barley or a rye. Yep. But uh, we're in a struggle here trying to get those uh, cost shared. You know, here's the thing, too, Kevin. You guys are, your area is way ahead of other areas out there. So the lessons that you guys learn, uh, we're watching real close so we can figure out how to do that better when when those types of things hit out here as well. Uh, Thank you so much, Kevin. Really appreciate having you on here. Good luck uh, with the storm. Hopefully, Hopefully things turn out well. All right. Thank you, Darren. You bet. It's Farmer Friday on Ag PhD Radio. We'll be right back after this. Growing up on the farm, I woke up as early as mom and dad. I put as many hours on the tractor, changed as many teeth on the tiller as my brothers. It doesn't matter if you're young or old, man or woman. When there's work to be done, you put your boots on and you do it. I do that on my farm and in my job at Case IH. My name is Kelsey, I'm a farmer, and I work for Case IH. Case IH, built by farmers. Don't turn your fertilizer application plan into a guessing game. Understand exactly how much fertility you need to reach your yield goals with the AgPHD Fertilizer Removal App. Simply enter your crop and your yield goal and the AgPHD Fertilizer Removal App calculates the amount of nutrition needed to keep your crop healthy and working for you. Quit playing guessing games with your fertility needs. Download the AgPHD Fertilizer Removal App today. Available on the Apple App Store and in Google Play. The value of your farm building is in its ability to protect what's stored inside. That's why Morton Buildings ensures that every machine storage and insulated workshop we build will provide superior strength and durability. As a 100% employee-owned company, we're all committed to being the industry leader with a focus on innovation, service, quality, and most importantly, customer satisfaction. To get started on your next project, please visit mortonbuildings.com. There's a new kind of crop protection in your territory, and it's always on the hunt. Howler Fungicide unleashes multiple modes of action for proven, broad-spectrum protection against soil-borne and foliar diseases. Start protecting your territory at agbiome.com slash howler. Did you know 20% of stored corn is often overventilated by three points of moisture? On 100,000 bushels, that's a whole semi-load. Stop this problem for less with the end zone for corn from Farm Shop MFG. Specially priced at $1,800 per unit while supplies last. Ag PhD has one mission, to give you the knowledge you need to make your farm more successful. That's why every issue of the Ag PhD Insider Magazine features crop fertility and pest management tips, insights into the world's highest yielding farmers, Updates and results from our infield research trials, as well as the latest agronomy information from Brian and Darren Hefty. We put it all in one place so you can make your farm more productive and profitable. Subscribe to the AgPhD Insider at agphdinsider.com. 
At Corteva AgriScience, we want to keep farms healthy and productive today and tomorrow. That's why we're investing in a robust pipeline of naturally derived biologicals. Meet Nutritia N Nutrient Efficiency Optimizer. It's a sustainable nitrogen fixation product that facilitates crop growth and optimizes yield potential. With the fluctuation in fertilizer prices, Nutritia N is a reliable solution. It can be used alongside your traditional nitrogen program to enhance your ROI this year. For more information, visit Corteva.us. Farmer Friday and Ag PhD Radio. Thanks for joining us. We would love to chat with you. Our phone lines are open at 844-44-AG-PHD. If you'd like to call in, you can always email us, radio at agphd.com. Let's head over to Wisconsin next. we got Joe on with us right now. Joe, you guys getting rolling on harvest yet? Yes, we are. Just uh, been in soybeans for about a week now. Um, just the earlier varieties, just. So we're kind of average. We're getting some later varieties now that are yielding pretty decent here. So everything's going well so far. Okay, so what is the difference? What is early and what is more of a full season uh, variety for you for, for maturity? Here, 1.8s were my earliest. And right now I'm into some 2.1s. And there's uh, about a 10 bushel difference there. I think it's mainly variety related normally that much difference in maturity doesn't make much difference in yield but this right. year is just a different year you bet you bet that's for sure how about planting date were they planted roughly the same time or what was kind of your planting window like the 1.8s were planted a little bit earlier well, we had a, a this spring it was so wet we had a day here and a day there where we could get in and plant and uh, that didn't seem to make a whole lot of difference. There was probably two weeks difference in planting dates from the first to the last there. This year didn't make a lot of difference. Other years seems like the earlier the better, but right, right. I'm not seeing that so far. Yeah, so cool enough. This this year is so cool that it probably didn't get too far ahead. Right. Yep. So what's it like yeah, now? Then we had we had some dryness early too, and and. Uh, End of May and June, we went for two, three weeks without any rain, and that uh, didn't do them any good either. So, when when you look at those beans now, how's the moisture coming out? Are you seeing any big differences there, or, or are you pretty happy with where things are at? No, I've been running no pretty much eleven, twelve here all the way along. I'm just as they're ready, I'm I'm on them. So sure, there's uh, you can leave the ones I'm doing now, but. Going through the combine good and coming out, I uh, got 11% right now as we're speaking. Sure, sure. Did you guys catch the frost at all? We caught just a little bit of frost. It didn't didn't nip too bad, but but we got a little bit. Yeah, the low areas, there's some visible frost, but uh, I think everything was far enough along, it really didn't bother anything. So I think we're in pretty good shape as far as that goes. Yeah, I think we are in our area too. Although I, I'm ready for the cold weather to wait, <laughs> but but I know it's coming soon. How, how about on the yeah, corn? We definitely don't want. Uh, <laughs> is anybody getting going I on corn? Tried any corn? Yes, there is some corn. Um, it, from what I'm seeing, if it wasn't sprayed for with fungicide, a lot of that's drying down pretty good. But uh, I think a lot of mine has been black layered, maybe for only about a week now. So I'm 
thinking a lot of mine would be in the mid twenties without checking it, but just from uh, hearsay, there's a lot of guys running now in that twenty to twenty five percent range. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So it's getting there. It's coming along. Yeah. Uh, you know, on the on the corn crop, um, guys are in our direction are a little happy with the corn. I guess it's not the greatest crop ever, but uh, but it's better than they were expecting in many cases. Soybeans uh, maybe been a little disappointing over here. How about how about there? What do you what would you say for for yields? How'd you characterize at the start of harvest here? Yeah, at the start, I would just call soybeans kind of our normal yield. But uh, corn, from what I'm hearing and kind of what was expected, uh, pretty good yield in corn. Okay, good, good. Uh, for for anybody listening in Chicago, that means it's probably hundred bushel corn. So don't don't get excited. We... Well, I think we might hit 120 <laughs> in the good spot. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Okay, so let's just say harvest goes smooth and you stay dry and everything just rolls along. What what would you say your top couple of jobs you want to get done yet this fall or after harvest? Well, one of the things we're kind of looking at right now is fall fertilizer, which, you know, everybody's trying to figure out how much to put on, what kind of budgets we're going to have, you know, and uh, where to go from here with the fertilizer prices where they're at. Yeah, yeah, that's for sure. It's that's no fun. And I, I don't know, we don't have to tease uh, anybody about that. We know that's really expensive this year. Uh, do you get much manure? I mean, that's, that's one way I know for us, we're, we're pretty happy any manure we can get to try to offset some of the commercial fertilizer costs. Yeah, we have a little bit of manure, not a whole lot. Uh, a lot of the dairies, that's what they're doing right now. And that's uh, definitely an advantage to them having their own Seminar for fertilizer and uh, a fair amount of hogs in the area too that are taking advantage of it. Yeah, it's going to be interesting. I know we've got some drainage work to do here too, which when we get a dry year like this, it seems to be the best time. We don't don't even have an initial flush when we put the tile lines in. They're probably not going to run until maybe next spring, I guess, if we get lucky enough to get some spring rains. Are, are you guys pretty dry yet over there too? We are dry here in our area. Uh, we've only had Oh, about, I think it was about the 3rd of September, we had a half-inch rain, and that was our only rain we've had in September. But you go about uh, 50 miles east of us, and well, there's a lot of places there have had six inches or more in September. So Wow. Uh, kind of like it's been all year, just spotty. It, exactly, yes, it is. Well, Joe, thanks for taking the time. I know you're super busy right now. Really appreciate the chance to talk to you. Good luck here. Stay safe this harvest, and uh, and hopefully that corn is as good as you think it's going to be. Okay. Good luck to you too, Darren. You bet. Appreciate it. Yeah, it's fun fun getting those yield reports, and, and yeah, I always tease uh, if anybody uh, that's involved in, in the grain markets is involved, oh, man, the yields are, yields are poor. Yields are poor. We need, need high prices for sure. Uh, had a number of questions that have come in here for the Ag PhD mailbag as well. Let's dive, let's dive into the mailbag. It's the mailbag. All right, Brian, uh, had, had this one come in from Jason, and he said, all right, guys, you talk a lot about soil testing. I'm curious how often you're recommending sampling. Here's 
what we're doing. We're using mostly turkey litter for our main fertilizer source, but with the excess of moisture and drought years recently, just wondering, would it be beneficial to soil test every year versus using removal rates to figure out a little bit more exactly what we truly need? Like almost everything we talk about in Ag PhD, we want you to put that to the test. So what I would suggest is, let's just say your normal program is, oh, I'm going to test once every four years, and I'm going to go in five-acre grids. Okay, so what I would say is just continue with that, and this year do one-fourth of your farm as quickly as you can so you can see, was there anything surprising? If there was something surprising, then do more testing. If uh, you are on, let's say, five-acre grids, take one field, just one and do the five acre grids but then also do one acre grids and then you can see the variance within each five acre grid that you did and that's going to be a tremendous learning opportunity for you to say okay in the future do i want to go with one acre grids at least one time because once you go one time then you can put variable rate fertilizer on even the grids out then you can go back to sampling on bigger grid sizes but we're big proponents of sampling more often and sampling in smaller grids at least one time just so you find that variability because fertilizer is high priced. You don't want to overspend or underspend on fertilizer because commodity prices are also high. So you don't want to miss out on bushels. Yeah, that's the, that's the trick here with these high fertilizer prices, no doubt about that. Hey, thank you so much for the question, Jason. I got this one that came in from Mark. He said, guys, the other day you answered my question about foxtails in my hybrid Bermuda fields. Uh, I had used Prowl in the spring, Pastora at first cutting, just for a reminder. But he said, unfortunately now I found that this foxtail is a perennial type and there are nodules on the roots. So I'm guessing yeah. with a perennial, Prowl's probably not going to work, and I'm being advised I should spray a low dose of glyphosate in the late fall before frost uh, hoping that that does the trick uh, what do you think about that dormant spray of roundup yeah i mean it can work I, it's just there's no guarantee that's why i questioned it in the first place when he said boy he's doing both a pre and a post and it's still not getting a foxtail didn't seem right but yeah perennials they're tough yeah, they sure are. We'll be back with more of your calls and questions right after this. Early does it. Strong early season defenses against seedling insects and soil diseases are key to a successful season. The leader in Inferro Solutions, FMC, helps protect your fields from the start with a growing portfolio of Inferro innovations. You can't predict the future, but you can plant for it. Visit your FMC retailer or inferro.ag.fmc.com to learn more. Always read and follow label directions for use. Your schedule can change by the minute, making it hard to stay on top of the latest agronomy information. But at Ag PhD, we have some good news for you. If you miss an episode of Ag PhD TV or radio, you can catch up at agphd.com. With years of valuable content and the latest episodes available to stream for free, you can continue building your agronomic knowledge on any schedule. While you're there, don't forget to check for upcoming Ag PhD events and workshops. Watch, listen, and learn at agphd.com. Get more durability for less downtime with Soil Warrior Strip Tillage from Environmental Tillage Systems. Improve fertilizer efficiency and reduce passes and fuel usage. Now that's ROI. Learn more about ETS at SoilWarrior.com. 
Downtime during spraying can lead to huge yield losses. Keep rolling with the Pentair Hypro Force Field. This pump features a unique self-regulated chamber that allows the pump to run dry while eliminating cracked seals, so you can spray longer and more reliably. Learn more at pentair.com hypro. What's new from New Farm? Leopard Herbicide brings you exceptional planting flexibility for soybeans, field corn, and cotton. Leopard provides your spray plans with a fall or early spring option to boost resistance management. And did we mention it's a highly compatible tank mix partner due to its ultra-low use rate? Ask your dealer for Leopard Herbicide. Available for fall. Every week for more than two decades, AgPhdTV has provided agronomic information to make your farm more productive and profitable. In each episode, we discuss a wide range of topics covering everything from crop fertility, promoting soil health, improving the environment, pest control, and more. All designed to help you push your farm to higher yield goals and more profitability. Be sure to catch us on Tuesdays and Saturdays on RFD-TV. Check your local listings or visit agphd.com to learn more. When it comes to mites in your field, you can't afford a solution that might work. That's why there's Zealpro Miticide from Valent USA. With next level knockdown and long residual control, you can be sure to handle spider mites at all stages of life with complete certainty. With efficient translaminar activity, apply by ground or air, and confidently attack mites where they are. Make Zealpro the definitive answer to your mite problem. Visit valent.com slash zealpro to learn more. Always read and follow label instructions. Back, you're listening to Ag PhD Radio, broadcasting from the Morton studio today on a Farmer Friday, taking your calls and agronomic questions at 844-44-AG-PHD. Got a number of soil samples that came in, and as you're out doing soil sampling this fall, we encourage you to take smaller grids or zones and take complete samples. Take micronutrients, base saturation, all those things. So we can actually make a good recommendation for you here. And I uh, got this question, Brian, that came in from Jake. And he said, uh, he goes, guys, we are on the, the southern end of the Red River Valley in west central Minnesota. And I was recently listening to you guys talking about potassium. And you said to target base saturation of 4%. My rented field is under 2%, which is making me a little anxious here. The soybeans definitely struggle on this field, usually only averaging in the 30s. Corn fares a little better, but isn't stellar either. So I'm sending you my soil sample results. I'm just wondering... Uh, a couple of things. First of all, what do you recommend? But second of all, why hasn't our agronomist mentioned that we're short? He's always said that NP and K looks great. Well, Brian, here's what the test is. So uh, Jake's test, the phosphorus wait, percentage. Wait, let me see if I can guess. Okay, so wait, let me see if I can guess. Okay, for potassium, I'm going to say it's 320 parts per million and 1.8%. Okay, well, it's even worse than that. Uh, well, it's even more out of balance in that it's over 400 parts per million but okay. the base saturation is 1.1 to 1.9 across six zones okay so that yeah so that tells us we've got a lot of calcium and probably a lot of magnesium just knowing those soils all right and also so the problem, unfortunately the whole problem comes unfortunately he's also got quite a bit of sodium magnesium prevents yeah magnesium prevents the potassium from getting in and yeah sodium could be a real issue as well how, how high is the sodium so the sodium is anywhere from one to eight, 
and the magnesium oh. is 33 to 40. Yep. So, yeah, it's it's a tough deal. The pH, I'm surprised it isn't a little bit higher. It's There's one zone that it's only 7.0, but it, it's up to 7.5, 7.7, 7.8, uh, and you know micronutrient levels, DTPA extraction. So kind of keep that in mind. But it's it's pretty low. Micronutrients are low too. So yeah, it's I can see it's probably rented ground, Jake. That makes sense to me. That they probably haven't put much okay. uh, micros to it. No. All right. So you got two strategies, in my opinion, two really good strategies. The first thing I would do is I would go talk to the landlord and say. Um, I, I just want to show you my soil tests or the soil tests off your ground. And here's the deal. We can make this ground a lot better. Here's what it would cost. If you're willing to spend this money, I'll pay you a little more rent. Okay. And so I would go through that. Now, before you do that, you have to make sure you know exactly what it's going to take, what it's going to cost, everything else. So it's, it's going to require a little bit of homework in advance. But we've done this exact thing with landlords before. It can work. Most of the time, however, the landlord just says, well, I don't really care. Um, I just want my cash, and it doesn't matter to me if the ground's better or not. I'm going to have it till I die, and then it's going to the kids, and then they can do whatever they want with it. So if that's the case, and you can't get a long-term lease or anything, then I would just simply look at banding the fertilizer. So if it's me, I'd probably switch to like a strip till, a deep, and you can still do some tillage because I realize in that area you want to make the ground as black as possible in the spring so it's warm. But if it's me, I would do some strip till and then you could ban the fertilizer, you'll get better uptake. That That's what I would do. Yeah, and he mentions that the drainage is not perfect and they they would love to do a little right. bit more tiling out there. Sounds like there's some. Uh, and, and, hey, that's a great thing, too. If you can get that done uh, and work on that with the landlord, that'd be fantastic, too. Yeah, now here's the thing. When you just buy ground, you think, oh, this is great. I own the ground and everything's good. But, I, I mean, we've done this many times where we go in and it's like, oh, man, we got to do – $300 worth of dirt work per acre. Oh, we got to put in $800 worth of tile. And you know what? We need $400 in fertilizer or maybe $600 in fertilizer to truly fix all our problems. And so all of a sudden you got an extra thousand or $1,500 invested in this ground that you just paid what you felt like was too much money for in the first place. But I mean, that's, that's, I guess one of the big differences I would say between now, when I'm buying ground and I'm in my 50s versus when I was first buying ground when I was in my uh, 30s. So when you have a little more capital behind you, then you can make those fixes. But if you're not going to own the ground, if you're just renting, there's nothing much you can do unless you can convince the landlord to invest some money in, in his or her ground and then pay them a little more rent as you go. Yep. Yep, that's exactly right. Hey, good luck to you. Really appreciate the question, Jake. And uh, got a phone call right now from Jim in South Dakota with a question on corn. Jim, how's it going? Beautiful, beautiful, good drying day. It's nice. Oh, yeah. We got some, got a nice breeze, got some sunshine out there. It's warm. Uh, but, but I understand you had some replanted corn. Just just curious about that. Yeah, what are you a, seeing? A, a low field. I think it was that Flex Star. I think they put on last year the uh and it sprayed and it i planted kind of early in april and it was this year was too early but most years the earlier is better i guess but right i had to replant it so it's about 36 7 percent moisture i took the sample today 
and it's all you know looks like it's perfect for cutting silage like a lot of people's was a month or better ago it's on some low ground so it's it's really good really good corn it's probably 200 bush an acre awesome and um yeah except i i don't know i think i've got enough silage cut i think i'm going to try and leave it i'd like to with six dollars and something corn you think it'll make grain i mean it's it's starting to you know the milk lines there there isn't anything juicy and they're talking maybe get cold enough to freeze next Thursday. I think I saw the report earlier. Yep, so, we got we got just time. a little bit of time to make it to black layer, and and then we're in a pretty good spot. So what what do you think we need another week of this weather? I'll do it probably. You know, I haven't looked at the forecast here, Brian. For the next few days, are we supposed to stay warm like this, or is it supposed to start tailing mm-hmm. off sooner? About seventy-seven, eight, eighty down here. So okay. Yeah, I, first of all, I'm not too worried about it because it's going to take 28 degrees to give you a real hard-killing frost. So until then, the stock's going to continue feeding the plant. But if it's truly 36 or 37%, you're already at black layer. So I'm not too worried about it. Usually what we see in weather like this where it's 80 degrees and 20-mile-an-hour winds gusting to 30 and sun, and we've got this for the next week, um, you're going to drop one to even one and a half points per day so if you were at 37% today, you should be at in the mid to upper 20s by by this point next week. So, yeah, I'm I, I'm not too worried about it. I, I mean, very often at this time of year, we have that exact thing on our own farm where we go, ooh, it's, it's pretty wet. But then we spend 10 days to two weeks doing soybeans. Then we take out our early corn, and then we get back to it toward the last part of October. Well, by the last part of October, it's probably going to be 17 to 20% moisture, and it'll be just fine. Right, and the, the plant is starting to die finally, so it's went through its, you know, its uh, yep. cycle. So I think they're mm-hmm. well, good because I just seen cell green is a few more silage this winter when it's cold. So. Okay. Well, thank you, guys. Awesome. You bet. Thanks you're, a lot, Jim. Are you guys, you're, you're doing beans then already? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. We're we're rolling on the beans. We're getting relatively close to done. with beans. Yeah, yep, maybe tomorrow. Great. All right, thank you, guys. You bet. Thanks a lot, Jim. Good luck to you. Really appreciate it. Good to hear from you. Uh, Brang had a question that came in from Justin about inoculating soybeans, and he said, I'm looking for your thoughts on whether or not inoculating soybeans is always the right decision. Uh, North Dakota State University research suggests fields that have a history of soybeans will show little to no advantage to inoculation, but it's better on the fields that haven't had it. Uh, Just wondering, is it good insurance or is it one of those expenses that could be cut? Yeah, there's no way I'm cutting it. It costs like a dollar, maybe $2 an acre. But insurance is the right way to think about it. When anybody asks the question, does this always pay, and it's regarding literally anything in agriculture, the answer is no, it doesn't. Even think about nitrogen on corn. That doesn't always pay. Does weed control always pay? No, there's nothing that always pays. Now, most of the time, all these things do, and that's what we're really after. You know, we want a good average return on investment, and that's typically what, what inoculant's going to provide. Plus, don't forget, when you inoculate, you should have just a few, not many, but just a few more pounds of nitrogen left for the next crop. That's what research down in South America has shown. So if you want to test that theory out on your farm, you could certainly do that, but you're looking for literally like three or... I mean, think about what nitrogen's worth now. If it's 
70 cents a unit and your inoculant costs you a yeah. dollar, yeah. if you could have one or <laughs> two more pounds, that'd really pay. For the gain would be so small that you would need in order to make a good return on investment. Hey, thanks for that question. And thanks to you for listening today. Be sure to join us again each weekday for more Ag PhD Radio.